All right, welcome back to the Rally Report. Again, we're doing recording these last two episodes back to back. So shout out to Stuart for doing this. And it's been a couple months since we've done the power rankings episode where we dive into the projected top 10 going into the season. And we're kind of in the mid part of the season. I thought, what better time to check in and see how things have sorted out and how things have panned out or if you know we're full of shit for how we did the projected rankings or not. But yeah. We're going to dive into that and get, again, Stuart's input and his thoughts on how this season has been panning out because it has been quite the season so far. And there are a lot of you know rankings that I would have never expected. And so, yeah, what, what have you thought on this first half of the season so far? I like how you fit. My projections like six months ago don't help my credibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you agree that there's some things that happened that no one could really see. Yeah, if anyone's out here trying to, to do, reduce his credibility. Uh, but, you know, we're going to start off with the men's one. And so why don't we just go ahead and see how it compares right now. The world number one is Mustafa Saul. We got that bang on. It was our projected ranking, and he currently stands as the world number one player. Obviously, a lot of controversy around him, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about what you think of of him in general as he's become the best player in the world right now. Yeah, he is, although right now there's an argument that Diego or even Shabagi is the best player in the world. Um, I, I just think that I've absolutely loved watching squash recently without Asal involved, like mm-hmm. the last few tournaments where he's not been involved in the later stages, whether it was... POC or Black Ball this week. Like, there's been so many great matches. I thought the the Diego and Shibagi match that took place like three days ago was one of the best matches I've seen in years. Um, free-flowing, bright spirit. And it's like, that's what squash can be and should be. Um, and anytime time Mustafa Asal is involved, it feels like it is never that way. Um, so despite him being number one in the world, I've actually... I've I've loved watching Diego recently. I think he's a joy to watch. I think Shabagi's resurgence, which I definitely didn't predict, but um, again, he's, he's playing some great squash. The way he played against Diego, taking the ball that early and like just attacking, was just that's the way squash. I'm not saying it should be played that way because I realise that there's only a handful of guys capable of playing it that way. But mm-hmm. when it can be played that way, it's so much more fun to watch than than the the stuff with the style where. It's just, I mean, cross court analytics did um, some some good analysis on the number that, yeah. of decisions involved in his matches, and like, it doesn't matter how you how you look at the data, he comes out on top in every single possible way. And just, I, I barely watch him these days because it just, unless I know that oh, this happened, you should watch how bad it was. It's just, it's not entertaining. It's not fun or enjoyable to watch. And it's a shame because he clearly, like when he does play clean, he's phenomenally talented. But I just, I, I don't like the guy. I don't like, I think he's, he lacks any sort of morals or ethics. I think he's an embarrassment to a sport, quite frankly. Yeah. Do you see him continuing on as the projected one and current world number one? Or do you project this to change as we move down the season? with the resurgence uh, and the form that Diego's in. I have a feeling that 
either Diego or Shabagi is going to get there. I, I know Diego was very close and could have got it at the week, uh, this week if he had won black ball. Um, but I don't think he's far off. Um, Asal has not really dominated recently. He's won a few events, but um, like he lost, he's lost in the last 16 at TOC, lost in the last 16 at black ball. Um, so yeah, he's, he's not been sort of untouchable, put it that way. Then next up is for the projected that we had was Ali Farag. Again, this is one of the situations where the unexpected had happened, but we had projected him too, and he's currently ranked number three in the world. I think that's projected to also drop to four with Shrebaggy's performance um, in Black Ball. Also, a side question. What do you think of this weekly uh, ranking change? Um, I, I can see why they're doing it. I don't love it just because there's so few changes on a weekly basis. Um, mm-hmm. It just it seems kind of pointless when they publish the updated rankings a week later and like two guys have switched positions and the rest is exactly the same. Um, at least with the monthly rankings, you were sort of guaranteed to have a bit more movement and it was a bit more interesting to follow. But but I also don't mind it. I think if if it helps the, the structure of the rankings and the, the tour gives it a bit more consistency if it's weekly. Um, yeah, I'm, f- I'm fine with either. I, I heard an argument that they were doing it just because it, it was basically another news story that they could publicise each week. And I don't think that's the right reason to do it, but I don't have strong opinions either way. Yeah. Um, and so Farag obviously has been hit with the injury, injury bug, which no one could have seen coming, but... Uh, he's coming back, and he recently. I still don't think he's fully recovered, and or something. It doesn't seem fully sorted, or he's just not back to match fitness. But even seeing him at black ball, he didn't seem like himself. It seemed like a movement was off, which is his biggest asset, in my opinion. But yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I think there's there's no doubt that even in his interviews, he's kind of admitted that he's not back where he wants to be or where he needs to be to be contending for these sort of events. Lost to lost to Shabagi, which. Um, I don't think, I'm not sure when the last time he even lost the Shibagi, let alone three love was. Um, yeah, I think it seems like he's slowly going to make progress. So I think he mentioned that he wants to be fully healthy for Worlds in Chicago and start of May. So he's got like another two months to get ready for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, he's another guy that I do like on the tour. And yeah, I'm glad that he's. He's not out any further. I think he already missed like three months yeah. of the season. So um, it's going to be tough for him to challenge for number one, both given that he missed those the events that took place over that period. And then also, if he's not 100%, then he's probably not going to be as capable of winning the events that he does play going forward. So, Do you, do you think if he eventually, when he gets to the 100% mark, do you think he still might be the best player? Or top two in the world, or do you think that Diego and the form that Shrebaggy's also been showing? Um, Diego would be an interesting matchup. Um, Shrebaggy, I don't know, it seemed like Farag had the edge over Shrebaggy recently, certainly the last couple of years, but but whether Shrebaggy's back playing at a higher level than he was over those two years, it's hard to tell. Um, like I say, I I thought that match on Monday between Shiragi and Diego was phenomenally high quality. 
Um, not sure that style of play would work as well against uh, Farag, where you're just basically taking every ball in short. Um, well, not quite, but more or less. Um, but yeah, it would be good to. I would love to see all three of them. Love to see Paul Paul back playing better squash. Um, I'm sure he will be disappointed with his results over recent months. Um, but yeah, anytime you get the best guys playing at their their top level, then it's fun to watch. Unless unless it involves us all. <laughs> the decks don't stop. Um, so I guess I guess for Farag, we can't really give him a grade for what he's he's been injured, and I think we can't really justify what he's done this season as a substantial letter grade, but wanted to move on to what our next we had as world number three, Paul Cole, who was having an absolute phenomenal season last year. And I don't know if it's a dip in form. It definitely doesn't seem to be an injury or if he's gassed out. I don't know what his reasons are, but he currently stands at five in the world and we project him to be three. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Is there anything in specific that you're seeing as holes in his game or that opponents are figuring out? I haven't seen enough of his matches, but just looking at his results, like they're not what you would have expected a year ago, certainly. Um, I'm just looking through like who's played this season. So first tournament of the year, he played Qatar and lost to Abdullah Al-Tamimi, which would, would be a massive shock. Then he made the final of the Egyptian Open and lost to Farag, which is fine. Lost to Shibagi at the US Open, lost to Tsuki lost to Shibagi again, lost to Inyao, the Singapore. That was, a, um, yeah. Yeah, and then lost to Tsuki and Joel in the last couple of events. Um, so, yeah, certainly not the results that I'm sure he's been expecting or hoping for. And also, if you go back a year when he was, like, arguing, well, he was number one in the world and was starting to look like um, the best player in the world, it's, it's, it's clear that he's not on that form. I'm not sure why. Like you say, it doesn't seem like there's any physical issues. It doesn't seem like his game has changed in any significant way. So I'm not quite sure why. Maybe guys have just figured out something that that works effectively against him. Yeah. So I mean if you were to give a letter grade to what Paul Cole's season has been so far, what would you put it as? I mean I suspect he's he always seems like one of his harshest critic critics himself. So I'm sure he's not happy. He's probably thinking like a C um, I mean, he's still five in the world, so it's not like he's he's not dropped off the face of the earth. But I'm sure his expectations are a lot higher. Uh, I would probably put it at like a B, but I'm sure he expects nothing less than an A every time he steps on court. So, and then wanted to go into we had Diego Elias projected as four, currently at two, really narrowly missing out on that one spot at the black ball open, but. Wow, he has progressed and matured, and I just want to get your input on what you think his, how his game has changed and improved and matured over the past couple of months. Because I think the progress has been coming a lot earlier than we thought. Yeah, he really impressed me. He's he's always been great to watch. He's always been smooth, but um, he's maybe a little bit fragile mentally. The only time I've really seen that this season was the match he played with Asal in Hong Kong, where um, the ref. I thought like, you got robbed on that one. Yeah, exactly. Nonsense. I agreed. Yeah. Um, but again, he probably shouldn't have let it get to him quite as much. But but he's he's been great to watch. Uh, I love watching the TOC. Um, and I actually, I watched a couple of his matches in 
it was one of the tournaments that was streamed on like a regular plastic court. Um, I think he played Tarek in one of the matches and just the way he sort of glides around, you almost see it more clearly on those courts, just how effortlessly he glides around and applies pressure. Like it's, it's not easy to, to make those guys do a lot of work and he seemed to be able to do it just by setting perfect length. He's taking the ball early. Um, yeah, he's, he's definitely deserving if he gets the number one at the moment. Cause I think, I think in the last three to four months, he has been the best player in the world. No, I agree. Do you think there's any changes in his game in the, this past season that you haven't noticed before? I think his line hitting has improved a little bit. He's always been pretty, he's always been a clean ball striker, but maybe he catches side wall a little bit too much or um, didn't quite get the ball through to the back of the court as cleanly. Um, but that's happening. And he's just not making errors either. either. Like he's able to take the ball into the front. Uh, he's maybe using the, the boast a little bit less. Don't know if that's intentional, but he always used to use that shot a lot and it could hurt you, but it could also open the court up and leave him exposed a little bit. It feels like he's using the straight drop a little bit more than the boast these days. Um, yeah, I, I do know he used to rely on the boast heavily on his go-to shots. Yeah, um, especially, I mean, he's, he's always loved the forehand boast. I feel like the forehand drop is definitely something that he's using a bit more. Um, but yeah, he's just he's just not giving as many cheap points away, either by tearing or hitting, hitting loose drives that guys can then punish or, or opening the court up too early at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess for the latter grade for Diego Elias, it must be. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely an A. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's disappointed. Uh, I hope I hope that that wasn't like his only chance and it slips away and he never gets there. I don't think that will happen, but it would be really unfortunate if you lose <laughs> a match 12-10 in the fifth and that turns out to be like your only chance in your career to get to number one in the world. That is that is some dark stuff, Stuart. That is very dark. Um, and especially he had a match ball as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't be disappointed with that match because both of them played a br brilliant. Like, no, it, was, it was nice to see just everyone coming together and just saying how brilliant of a squash match that was. I don't think that's happened in yeah know, in a very long time. Mostly because the sal has been involved. But <laughs> how about okay? So we'll move on. We had Joel Macon as the projected fifth best player in the world at the time. Right now, it's. Paul Cole, obviously, but in Joel making his current ranking is 11 in the world. Um, talk us through what you think, what had happened in these past couple months. Um, in my eyes, th there was, I don't know if it was a drop of form or like an injury buck. Joel Macon's not the type of guy to explain what, what's going on in his life. I think he's been injured from what I heard. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're right. Like he's had some results that you wouldn't necessarily expect from him. I'm uh, just looking at it now. Like he, I mean, he's lost the first couple of season, a uh, couple of events. He lost to Diego twice. Um, lost to Shibagi, but then probably more surprising, he lost to Mazen Hesham, which isn't terrible. But then he lost to Nicky Muller, um, mm, yeah, for the tournament of champions, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, then he lost to Abugar, who was coming back. And then he won. Uh, tournament in Canada, Canadian Open, beating Victor in the final, um, and then he had a good run at Black Ball. So I think he's, I think he's back to his form based on the fact that he 
won the Canadian Open and then made semis at Blackwell um, with a couple of good wins, beat Paul and um, Marwan along the way. And then he just sort of, he was too love up in Tarek as well and ran out of gas. But uh, I think he'll start to move back up. I think he's down at 11 at the moment. Which he is currently seems- 11, and I'm sure he'll shoot back up with yeah. uh, these past two tournaments, but- his performances, yeah. It might be tough for him to fulfill my prediction that he'll get to five by the end of the season. So he, he might end up letting me down on that one. But he might have yeah. to just sweep all the all the titles. Where <laughs> yeah, that's, the next that's one way to do it. How how do you what letter grade would you give him um, on his season so far? I mean, he probably bag. views it again similar to Paul. He probably thinks it's a C. It's, um, it's probably a B. I mean, it's he's he's definitely not excelling the way I'm sure he wants to, but he's, he's, I mean, he's always quite open about the fact that he's, he's not there to make up the numbers. Like he wants to, he wants to win at least one of these big, big titles, um, and get to the top of the rankings if he can. So yeah, we'll see. Well, moving on, I think this is a big name here. Uh, Mohamed El Shrabaki, uh, we had him projected at six and he is currently at four, I think by next week or either right now already, he might be three, but, um, let's, we have to address Sherbaggy about, I don't think we shit talked him in the last podcast, but I think we definitely uh, addressed I, his. I think I might have, <laughs> <laughs> you might be innocent on that one, but I don't think, I don't think I, I was innocent there, but yeah, uh, he's been phenomenal. Like he's seemed rejuvenated. He seems like, um, he's, he's obviously given a lot of credit to England squash and that transition. Um, I always think that Sherbaggy is just someone that likes things that are new like he's working with uh, Gautier these days it seems like he likes new ideas he's always moved around coaches and never really stuck with the same guy and I think he's just someone that like constantly needs new stimulus to, to keep him energised to keep him engaged um, but yeah he's playing he's playing some of the best squash I've seen from him for years the, the match with uh, the match with Diego actually reminded me of basically Shibagi playing um Rami back in the day, except mm-hmm. the roles were kind of reversed where um, Shibagi was the one like firing it in from everywhere and taking risks and um, and Diego was more in the Shibagi role, but they're just such entertaining matches to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think his touch is underrated. It's not talked about enough because of how strong he is and the power lines he hits, but wow, his short game was unbelievable in that Diego yeah. match and he cut it short. I mean, He's been pretty consistent all year. Um, one of the most under... I don't know if you saw the the team event that they had in New Zealand where England played um, New Zealand in the final. And that was Joel, crazy. Yeah, jo- yeah, yeah. Joel had beaten SJ in the women's match, which meant that um, Shibagi had to beat Paul Call for love. Uh, it was games to seven, and he had to lose something like, I don't know, 14 points or less. And he went and did it, and it was. It felt before the match started. You'd have said, "There's no way that can happen." And mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was he was really really good in that period because he then won the the actual New Zealand Open the week after. He then went to Singapore and won again, beating Diego in the final. Um, he eventually lost in Hong Kong to Diego in the semis. But yeah, he's he's certainly rejuvenated and and playing some of the best squash he's played in probably five years. I would say. Yeah, I think his only bad, not bad loss, but he lo- he did lose to Saul pretty convincingly in the uh, Houston Open. 
Yeah. Uh, he seems to always take a different approach playing Assault compared to other... I don't know, it just seems... The atmosphere is different between the, I mean, both Assault and... seems like they love each other. Well, that was a really interesting one just because of what happened the previous day with, with Marwan. Could I, could I take, can I get your take on that? On what do you thought of that Marwan assault? Um, fiasco is an understatement on what happened, but I think Marwan was definitely trying to manipulate that, uh, that situation. It seems absurd to me that the referee gets to determine whether a player can play on or not. Um, but having, I've heard some some stories where Marwan was essentially saying that he couldn't play on. Uh, Asal had like injured him to the point where he had caused the injury and he should be awarded the match. And then when the referee decided that that wasn't going to happen, uh, Marwan suddenly made a miraculous recovery and was suddenly <laughs> able to play. And the ref was like, well, you told me you can't and I'm sticking by that. But again, I, I don't think that's the referee's call. If, if Marwan decides that he wants to go on and play the match, then he should be entitled to. That seemed like the referee getting involved in a way that he wasn't really entitled to. Or I, I don't actually know if he is entitled to it or not, but it didn't seem like a referee should be making a, a medical decision about whether someone is fit to play on or not. Uh, in terms of the actual incident itself, it seemed like it seemed like it was slightly dangerous from a sal, which doesn't surprise me. It seemed like he was sort of reckless, like just took a normal swing, didn't really care if he hit Marwan or not. I think there's definitely a case to be made that Marwan overreacted. Yeah. Um, and I think that'd be fair to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, but again, I, like I say, I, I didn't watch the match. I don't know what caused, like what happened leading up to that. Like As a standalone incident, it seemed pretty absurd, but maybe there was... I mean, I'm assuming there was other stuff going on because there always is. Um, with both of them, actually. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it would have been interesting to see where Shubagi, like Mohammed, fell on that one because obviously he's been one of Asal's biggest supporters over the years, uh, and suddenly there's an incident involved. What do you what do you think well. of him advocating for Asal that much? Do you think? Um, honestly, I think he's going to regret it a little bit later in his career. I think he's going to realize that this is not just some young immature kid that is going to grow out of it. I think fundamentally it's a personality thing with Asal. I think he's just not a nice human being. Um, and I think the more it goes on and the longer it continues, the more Shibagi is going to regret associating with him in such a positive way. That's, that's what I think. I think they're also at some point, their matches have generally been pretty clean and fair. I think yeah. at some point that's probably going to change where there's an instant between the two of them. And I think that will also make Shibagi realise that Actually, he should not have been defending this guy. He's, he's not worth it. <laughs> but um, I think go back. So for Sherbaggy's letter grade, you probably give a pretty high score for him. Yeah, I mean, it has to be an A. Cause <laughs> I know he's only number four in the world, and I'm sure he's expect, he's looking to go higher. But I think I think in current, um, in current form, you would say that he's certainly three or two. Um, I mean, in current form, based on black ball, he's won. But um, in terms of consistency, he's, he's in the hunt for world number one again, which is the first time that's been the case for a couple of years. Yeah, I think the projections is, depending on how he does in the Canary Wharf, I think with us all not reaching the final or something, 
uh, and something with Diego, I think he does go up to the world number one spot. And I think he ha- his path to the world number one is actually easier than Diego's. So that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's been a couple. Of, I don't think he's been number one since twenty twenty one. It's maybe not two full years, but uh, he did. He dropped to number five um, last year, and as recently as last month, he was number five as well. So. Yeah, I mean, one thing Shrebaggy always does is he he does remind anyone who doubts him or has no shade at him that he's listening and he's he's heard you. Uh, so yeah. uh, next up, I think we have Ferris Dezuki at who we projected to be seven in the world, currently standing at ten. Uh, my opinion, I think he's uh, he's just being a bit stagnant with his career. I don't know. I it's he's hit with another injury. I think he's ter- torn his. Uh, leak from what I've heard recently on his Instagram post. Um, but I don't I saw know. that he, he just pulled out of uh, Canary Wharf and the other tournament in England. I think, yeah, so. and he had a feisty affair with Tarek Moment where he, he fully thought he got robbed in that match. I and didn't see did, that, so, so yeah, I don't know he, what happened there. I think uh, Tarek Moment had saved a bunch of match balls, but I think in, in process of saving, I think there was a claim that Tarek Moment had hit Dezuki and he got a stroke off of it. Dezuki strongly claims that there was no touch and Dezuki has gone to the social media as well saying that he got robbed of that match. So um, he was unhappy with that recent performance. Currently at 10 though, what what do you think of his current season so far? Yeah, I'm just looking through his results. He's not, he's not at any Terrible losses, apart from um, he did lose to Altamimi, I think, in uh, Singapore. But he's losing to good players. He's in that awkward position where he's outside the top eight seeds. So he consistently has pretty tough draws in terms of like playing um, playing Asal in the last 16 in Qatar and then playing Paul Call in the quarters and then playing Joe Macon, playing Asal again. Um so yeah, it's just tough when you're. We talked about this last time. Like when yeah. you're not in the top eight seeds, you really need a huge win just to make the quarterfinals. Um, and yeah, it's hard to do that consistently. Like you, you could be ranked number nine in the world, and in theory, play the number one seed in every single tournament in the first round or six. Well, you get a bye and then play them in the second round at your first match. Yeah, it is. It is. It is amusing to see how. A lot of these tournaments, the draw is very similar to played out yeah. even from the beginning. So we're getting the same matchups after matchups. I think um, the other thing to say about Dasuki, I think this is where him and Diego have, have probably differed, is that Diego seems like he's matured in terms of his attitude and just how tough he is in matches. Like he's, I know he had the incident in Hong Kong with uh, Asal, but generally Diego is much more mature in the way he approaches matches. He's much, he's able to stay calm and and not get caught up in decisions and things like that. And it seems like Dasuki is still quite fiery in that regard. And I think ultimately that's one of the things that's hurting him. He hasn't made that progress that Diego has. In terms of letter grade, what would you give Dasuki right now on his missing performance? Probably a B. Like he's not having terrible results. He's just not, he's not winning those big matches that he needs to start winning to move up. And do you foresee any changes happening anytime soon or not? Well, if not he's really. going to miss, if he's going to miss a couple of tournaments coming up and then 
Not helping your projections. Yeah, the next big one is British Open. Um, so who knows if he's back in time for that. Um, but yeah, I think until he sort of matures mentally and learns to deal with those situations when they happen in matches, it's tough to see him making real progress. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure he can get up to nine or eight or whatever, but I don't see him cracking like top five, certainly. Moving on, we had Tarek Moman. We had projected him at eight. Pretty close to this one. Uh, he's currently ranked uh, nine in the world. I suspect that him. I personally don't think at the level he was playing at the black ball, he should be nine in the world. I think he should be a bit higher. But uh, he's had a mixed bag of season. Uh, what, what's your take? Yeah, he's been he's been pretty consistent. Again, he's he's beating most of the guys ranked below him. Not really upsetting too many guys ranked above him. Um, tends not to lose too early. I mean, just looking at again his results, he's made semis, quarters, 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 quarters. Made the final of the Malaysian Open, but that was a slightly smaller tournament. Um, yeah, he's he's not really made. I don't think he's made the semis of any platinum apart from Qatar, which was the first event of the season. And even there, he lost to Victor, which on paper was a bad result. So I guess he's just having the season you kind of projected, Stuart. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's dropped off significantly. I don't think he's as much of a threat to the top guys as he was two or three years ago. Do you think um, his recent black ball performance has been an up in form, or do you think he kind of did get the luck of the draw of what had happened? I think it was just a case of the draw opening up quite nicely. And like I say, he was two love down to Joel, but Joel just sort of ran out of steam. Um, I mean, he played well against... Um, he played uh, Shibagi in the semis, right? Oh, he, no, played, he played Dezuki in the quarters, and then Joel making the semis, yeah. and then Shibet yeah. Mohammed in the final. Yeah, so yeah. he played Shibagi in the final, but... Um, yeah, it just... I think that was, like I say, more... Um, the draw opening up. He beat, um, beat Dezuki, who... Tsuki came through against Asal, so that opened up that section of the draw. Um, and then he got through the the, the jewel-making section after Joel had taken out um, a couple of seeds as well. Yeah. And so how would you, how would you rate his performance in your lower grade so far this season? I mean, probably a B, just sort of what you would expect. Yeah. Stuart's just been handing out Bs left and right right now on these players. <laughs> No, no D's. Yeah, that's true. I could. Well, if you're top ten in the world, you're probably not earning a D. Fair enough. Uh, I think the, the next one is where Stuart got it really, really wrong. Obviously, this was due to unforeseen circumstances that we kind of caught on even on during that episode. But he did have use of Ibrahim as the projected nine in the world. With the current drop off of points, I think he's dro- he's dropped down to forty now. I, I do yeah. not think he's at the 40 level, even as he's coming back from his injury. He does look pretty good already. And I only see that to continue to move forward. Um, oh, I, I think actually, he, dropped, yeah. he, he dropped from 15 to 40 in one week because of all the points he got from Windy City last year. So, <laughs> so that hurt him badly. <laughs> that did hurt him. Uh, yeah. Have you, have you been able to catch any of the games during his return? Uh, um, I saw the highlights of one of them. One of his first ones back, uh, yeah, I can't can't remember who he played actually, but um, 
Yeah, it'll just it'll take him a little bit of time. The only I've heard reports that although he's back, he's not fully recovered. He's sort of his issue is still ongoing. I think again, it's a knee problem, um, and there's some concern that that's going to be with him for the rest of his career now. Oh God! Um, and it's just going to be a case of managing it as best he can, as opposed to ever being completely healthy again. Um, and that's obviously pretty worrying, just given the way he plays. He's quite dynamic, and um, he plays in such a way that it'd be pretty hard to protect his his knee based on the way he moves and how much he's moving the ball into the front of the court. That is that is tough to hear. All these Egyptian players struggling with the knee knee issues. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite the bummer considering how good they are. Yeah, it's just I, I don't know what the solution is, obviously, but um, I hope he can get healthy and show some of the form that he started to show last year. Um, yeah, I I think it'd be unfair to give him a letter grade on him considering he has come back. And I do think it's encouraging. I mean, I don't think the levels dropped off that much. Said so good results here and there, and um, I think also with the return of Abuelgarts, he's kind of screwed a lot of people with how their run for yeah. the draw. <laughs> but I think next moving on, we have Mezen Hisham uh, projected at 10. His current ranking is at 8. He's had a pretty consistent season so far, I'd say, um, which is good on his part. I think that's what he's been lacking throughout his entire career. Uh, I, I know he had a lot of injury break injuries, but he seems like he's healthy, he's strong, and he's fit. Uh, what, what do you? What's your take on him? Yeah, exactly. As you say, he's He's been pretty consistent. He's he's not had too many bad losses. Um, he's he's again he's struggling to get big wins against the top sort of four or five guys. Um, I guess he lost to Miguel at the Tournament of Champions, which was probably an opportunity to that was in the quarters that would have given him a chance to get a few more points if he made the semis. Um, he's lost to Marwan a couple of times, which again for a guy that's trying to move up. That's probably one of the, the better draws that you can get against Marwan, although Marwan is also playing well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, you'd certainly rather play Marwan than uh, Asal or Diego or, or Mohammed or Ali if he's fit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a pretty good letter grade for Hisham, I'm assuming, for his season. Yeah, I mean, again, he's not done anything spectacular, but he's he's not had any terrible results. So, Do you ever see cool. him as a threat to uh, the top five, or do you think this is pretty much his potential on his cap, its capped potential here? I think in terms of ranking, no, I don't, just because, again, rankings reward consistency, and on any given day, I think he can beat any of those guys. Uh, in one particular tournament, he might be able to do it two, two or three times in a row, but do I think he can do it two or three times in a row? Like, Across the season, probably not. Certainly, that that's not what he's shown so far. Um, yeah, and he squashes quite high risk, so he's he's relying on everything falling his way. To, I don't think his his basic squash is like his his length, his his ability to just contain people in the back. That's one of the things Diego is able to do now. He's just able to win points in all four corners a lot better than. A lot of guys, whereas Mazin still relies on the front a lot. That's a good good take on it. Before we move on to the ones, I I do want to name a couple players that I think are dangerous. Um, Two players that 
are not included in this list because this was projected, but are in the top 10 are Marwan and Victor. Um, just wanted to get your take on their season so far. Marwan's really made a resurgence in form after working with Rodney Martin, and he seems to be really consistently performing in every tournament. And with Victor, um, I, I'm sure Harvard grad, a rival of yours. Um, so interested to hear what your take is on his game as he's really moving up the rankings. And I don't know if his body just doesn't break down. I don't think he just plays every tournament out there. Yeah, and he's playing really, really well, actually. Um, I remember one of the first tournaments this season, he played Ali Abu in uh, the launch tournament. Um, and that was just after he, I think he made the final in uh, Qatar tournament. And then he went straight to Nantes and Ali played him first round and he just absolutely blew him away. Like, um, I was really impressed. Just He's obviously been very professional and he's so hard to break down, but I've always worried about like whether he would have enough to hurt the really top players. But what I've seen of his game, like he, he's one of the players that I really admire just in terms of how his game is always evolving. He's always He always seems like he's adding something new to his game. His short game, I think, in particular, has improved. Like he's much better attacking than even like a year ago when, when he was playing college wash. And yeah, he doesn't seem to have too many bad days either physically or mentally. And I think that's one of his strengths is that he's so consistent um, that he's, he's able to get big wins. Um, if, if anyone's not playing at one hundred percent, he's he's now at a level where he can basically beat anyone. Uh, that's some high high compliments for him. Um, do you do you foresee him just continuing to move up the rankings as the as this season progresses, or do you think seven is where he's going to be at? Seven? Um, it might be tough, just because I mean maybe he can catch Marwan who's six, but even I'm looking at the the points. There's a bit of a gap. There's almost there's like over 150, almost 200 points difference, which is a lot. Um, so yeah, he's he's kind of um, I wouldn't say he's stuck, and I think he will continue to move up uh, certainly over the next year or two. But whether he moves up significantly in the rest of the season, I don't think that will happen. But I'm already. I mean, I didn't expect him to be top ten this quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I do remember and, you saying that the episode, and he's definitely <laughs> deserved it. I mean, he's 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 not like sneaked in with like one lucky tournament where he got the draw opened up and he took advantage like he's he's been the seventh or eighth, eighth best player this season i would say yeah and then um some other names i think should be good to put in the mix is uh the research of abelgar's return also with gawad's return i think this is really entertaining stuff for the next couple of months with them being back and you never know with the likes of Miguel. He always squeezes in and just performs out of his mind in one of tournaments. And I think it's great for the sport. Miguel's, Miguel's been fast, like really, really good this season. Again, not someone I would have predicted or didn't predict. Um, and he's just he's still moving so well. Like he kind of even the guys that sort of stayed at a high level, you could see their movement and athleticism dropping off. Like, I feel like Nick Matthew, by the, I think by the same age, he was just starting to lose a little bit of an edge. Same with Gaultier. But Miguel doesn't seem like he's lost anything. 
I don't know how he moves for it, but it just seems effortless. It just doesn't seem hard on the knees at all. He just seems to be kind of like sneaking around everywhere. And to yeah. know how old he is, it's unbelievable the career he's having right now and just being able to stick around. And he doesn't seem like be he's, a threat. Doesn't seem like he's getting injuries or stuff like, again, those other guys that have played at that level at a similar age, they all seem to be starting to pick up little niggles here and there and have to miss a tournament or you'd see them like bandaged or knees taped up for tournaments. But Miguel doesn't seem like he's got any of that going on. <laughs> are there are there any other players that you see as threats entering into the second half of the season to the top 10 or that could really screw your projections here? Uh, Yusuf's all, I mean, I think Joel at 11 is... It's just so hard to see who he's going to dislodge, but I suspect he's looking to get back in. Uh, Yusuf Solomon at 12 is there or thereabouts, although I think 12, just looking at the guys ahead of him, is probably about right. Yeah. Um, yeah, further down, um, Pat Rooney's had a pretty good season. be interesting to see if he can keep moving up. Um, should, Mohamed El Shabini is at his highest ranking again. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a few guys, but in terms of top 10 potential, then I don't see anyone this season Correct. creeping in other than maybe Joel. Yeah. I think the men's top 10 are pretty sold, but, uh, yeah. Uh, well, moving on, moving on to the women's side, I think a bit different with the women's side with the top 10. I don't think any, I don't, other than the top three, top five, I don't think anyone's really safe in that top 10 zone right now, especially with how... <laughs> the level of depth happening. Uh, that's what I think right now. Maybe sort of disagrees with me, but I just think the depth is unbelievable right now. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go into what we had projected again, just like we did with the men's. Um, what, do, what have you thought right in general though, of the season on the women's side of things? I mean, the women's is kind of playing out how I think most people predicted, which is that there's still a, a big three that, um, have shown themselves to be a level above the rest of them. Um, Shabini just lost to Amanda at Black Vault, but overall they've, they've been the, the dominant three again. Most of the big titles have been shared between them. Most, I think all the finals have been between them, so nothing really surprised me there. Um, I guess what has surprised me a little bit, I thought Tired might have moved up a little bit more by now. Um, and Joelle has actually been really, really good this season. So um, that's a bit of a surprise, but not shocking. I mean, unless Amina Orphy decides to just climb up the rankings, I, I really do think the top three are on a level on their own. But I do, interestingly enough, think Amanda Sobey does have the game to kind of worry the three on a, um, with her recent scalp as well. And I think she really did test Hania in that black ball semis. Yeah, especially after beating Shabini the day before to then follow that up and go to five with Hanya. But I watched that match and I didn't think... I mean, it's just testament to how good those top three are. I didn't feel like Hanya was playing her best and yet she still managed to beat the number five in the world. So Yeah. Yeah, but, going, going down going down the rank projected, we had Norn Gohar uh, projected at one and also currently at one. So pretty... Pretty spot on on Stewart's end on uh, his credibility, uh, smashing both the world number ones for both men and women's 
uh, side of things correctly. I mean, can't really say anything bad about Gohar's season so far. Just consistent as usual. I think she's miles ahead in terms of points in the rankings. She is at the moment, but um, that could start. I think Hanya's, although Hanya's at three, I think Hanya might start closing soon. Um, Mm -hmm. Although, obviously, winning black ball is going to help a lot. Um, But, yeah, she, she... I mean, I think um, Hong Kong was the first tournament in over a year where she hadn't at least made the final. So that's, that's quite impressive. Yeah, that was that was very impressive. Um, that was a shocker. Um, it's just her consistency. And I think, do you think anything has changed in her game in the past couple of months or coming into this season where she's relatively just maintained her level, which is already just unbelievably high? Yeah, I mean, I think she changed a lot maybe a year and a half, two years ago. Um, I don't see a lot that's changed. She's just continuing to do it really well. Like, she just plays at pace that most... I was actually speaking briefly to Sabrina Sobe today, and she was saying that just how challenging it is when you... Like, Sabrina doesn't mind a fast pace, but she just says the fast pace combined with the hard hitting is just, just... catches you by surprise, even though you know before you step on court that that's what she's going to bring. It's still a shock. So I guess there's only one letter grade to give Gohar with the season she's having so far. Moving on to Hania. Hania was our projected two. I really don't think any of whatever our projections are and whatever their current rankings are, I think it's going to flip-flop as we go, and I don't think uh, there's anything amazing about the prediction of Who's at two? Who's at three? Who's at one? Um, I still but- think that uh, Hanya's having a better season. I think one of the reasons that Shabini is still ahead of her is because she obviously got all the points from winning the Worlds last year. But I suspect, and I don't know if this is true, but I suspect if you just compare the points that have accumulated this season, that Hanya probably would be too. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, who knows, though? Well, it seems like Shrabini always just shows up in the World Champs and collects her points, collects her trophies. And just it's the only tournament that matters, right? <laughs> yeah, this is the only tournament. And it's the only tournament that she just consistently wins. But So I guess for Hanya as well, do you think she's added anything in her game throughout this season that has caught, caught you by surprise? Or do you think she's just continually progressed the way you saw? I think she's adding... She's- Starting to volley a bit more. I, I always felt like the the reason she struggled with Gohar for a while was because she found it really hard to to volley against Gohar. Um, and she's had a bit more... I know she lost this week to Gohar, but she's had a bit more success against Gohar. And I think one of the reasons is that she's able to volley even with the ball being hit that, that hard. She's not as uncomfortable volleying. And she's also able to take the ball in short a little bit better. And that... That's she's not just relying on her movement and her sort of defensive retrieving game as much. She's able to actually, and you you also see that in terms of just she's she's able to beat some of the lower ranked girls a little bit quicker and easier now um, because she can volley and take the ball a little bit earlier, more comfortably, and use the four corners and not just the back two. Yeah, she's rock solid in the. Um... And are the results other than what said that Sabrina Sobi win? So I guess Sabrina Sobi does have what it takes to crack in there as well. 
that was quite the victory over her. But other than that loss, I, I think she's had a very, very consistent season and really challenging Gohar up there. So I also with her, can only give one letter grade, unless you think that Serena Sobe loss is detrimental to her letter grade of performance so far. No, she can get any. <laughs> Moving on, we, we have Norel Shrabini, um, who's well, partnered up with Gregory Goltier this season as a change in her in her coaching staff and her team. And she, her our projected ranking was three. She's currently at two. And I, I do think, she, as you mentioned, she will fall to three in the coming months with recent performances. But obviously, she's top three in the world and she can challenge anyone. But any, any concerns on your end on how she's been performing? No, she's, she's had a pretty solid season i mean she's she's not won everything but she's um i think her loss to amanda was the first time she had lost to anyone um outside apart from gohar and hamami for a couple of years yeah i think i think amanda actually was the last person to beat her um before that and that was probably three i think two certainly over two years ago um yeah so so she's been consistent. She's she's had a couple of wins. She won TOC. Um, she won uh, just won Grasshopper, which is slightly smaller, but it's not a platinum event. But she made the final of Hong Kong, made the final of US Open, final of Egyptian Open. Uh, sorry, semis of Egyptian Open. Um, but yeah, she, she's basically performing at her usual level and. I've no doubt that she'll show up and win the Worlds in two months' time. As she always does. Uh, moving on, we had Nora Altayeb at four. She's currently at six. Um, you said earlier that she has moved up to the speed that you expected her to at this point of the season. Um, do you suspect that she's kind of being stagnant at where she's at right now, or do you see her progressing upwards? Yeah, I think she. I, I still feel like she is the fourth best player. Um, I think she's the most dangerous for those top three. Like, it'd be interesting to ask them. Like, who do you who do you not want to play? Um, and see what they say. But um, but she had a few. I mean, Joelle King beat her. Um, Olivia Klein beat her recently. Who's who's having an amazing run at the moment? Um, yeah, playing some some really good squash. Um, yeah, so I actually think the, uh, she might be injured right now. I think that's what she pulled out against Olivia Klein. Uh, quite possibly, actually, because she did yeah. play black ball, so that would make sense. So, yeah. But again, I, I still think that she's the one player that the top three players probably fear the most in terms of who can upset them and trouble them. Yeah. So, I mean, would you, would you rate her current season pretty well or kind of could be better yeah i'm sure she's hoping to get higher in the rankings but again if you look she's steadily moved up the rankings from like i think she was eight at the start of the year up to sort of six for most of it it's it's really tough when you're not playing at the same level as those top three that it basically means every single draw has a four four seed and then everyone wants to be so at the moment Joel is ranked four and it's in that four seed spot and I'm sure every single player in five to, the five to eight section wants to be in the same section as Joel and not in the same section as the others yeah and 
And even if you get that spot, so A, you've got a 25% chance of being drawn in the section of the draw you want. You then have to beat a couple of good players to get there because there's a few girls in the outside the top eight that are dangerous. Um, whether that's based on the current form or overall consistency. And then you, you, there's still no guarantee that you can beat someone like Joelle, who is one of the best players in the world, if, even if she's not at the same level as those top three. I was going to ask about Joelle, but I realized we'll talk, we'll address her as, as we go down the list here. Gina Kennedy, we projected her to be five. At, <laughs> I think that was the one that you might have been a bit off of. Obviously, this was also due to expected circumstances, but she is currently at 10 as she's kind of climbing back to the form that she was at. Uh, last year, uh, I think she had the injury bite, but what do you, any changes of opinion since we've last spoken about this on what do you think? No, not really. I mean, she's basically my Yusuf Ibrahim of, of the <laughs> women's predictions um, that I was probably furthest out on. But again, she was, it seems like she had a number of different issues, whether it was with injuries and then health. Um, she seems like she's back again and starting to get solid results that, along the lines of what you would expect. So um, I think she'll move back into the top eight, maybe not as high as I predicted at five, but I, I'm looking at the top eight and I think she she can certainly move up a few spots at least. How do you, how do you rate her season so far in a letter grade? Um. Probably a C, just because I'm sure she didn't want to suffer those, those. I think it was an injury initially, and then she had some sort of medical issue yeah. going on. I think she she also had, um, I yeah, I think from what I've read, there's been two or three different things going on, um, and all sort of one after the other, um, which has made it tough for her. But but yeah, recently she's um, she. She made the quarters at the TOC and then won in Cleveland, made the final of uh, tournament in Detroit, semis and She just seems to so. love playing Rowan, El Robbie, every time they get matched up, which they seem to be matched up every time. Seems yeah, be- although she's getting the better. Like, she's winning most of those matchups, it seems. So, yeah. And that's a sign that she's back in that sort of top, um, top eight, top seven sort of level. Next up is Amanda Sobey. We had her projected at six. She's currently sitting at five, and she's had a great black ball performance. How do you rate her season so far and um, her recent performance? Uh, again, she's she's right where you would expect, sort of fourth through six, I think is fair. Um, when, she get, when she's on her game, I mean, obviously a great win against Shabini, but... Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything from just looking at who she's lost to. Um, she lost to Gohar, Altayeb, Altayeb, Shavini, Hanya. Probably her only bad one was in Cleveland where she lost to Gina. Um, so, yeah, she, I'm sure she's relatively happy, but then also not satisfied and looking for more. It's just... It's, it's just really tough for everyone that's coming up against those top three to see how you beat them. It's and not unbelievably just once. frustrating. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Amanda's obviously done it in black ball, but then that was just to make the semis, and then she has to play Hanya, and if even if she'd beaten Hanya, she'd go hard. Go, go hard. <laughs> um, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. 
that is, that is one of the advantages of being in the the number four ranking spot and being seeded fourth is that you only have to come up again. Like you can get to the, the semis without having to beat one of them, and then you only have to beat two of them. Yeah, and that's an interesting point to point out how important it is to be the fourth seed and rank four for these tournaments. Um, so, I mean, I think would you say give Amanda a B of the current season so far? Yeah, probably a B plus, just because like again, she's consistent. She's she's not got any bad losses really, apart from like I say, arguably losing to Gina is a bad result for her. Um, but certainly in the the bigger events, she's she's consistent. She's making semis and quarters basically every tournament she plays. Yeah. Next next person up is S J Perry. She her projected ranking was seven. She is eight, so kind of on the mix of where. We projected her to be at. What do you think of her season? Because I'm starting to have my depths on her. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that she's still ranked as high as that. Um, I again, yeah, I agree. Just looking at her results, she's she's lost to Tesney a couple of times. She lost to Sabrina Sobe. She lost to Jana Sheha. She lost to Tomato Hole. Uh, Lucy Turmel beat her. Um, so yeah, it's. It's interesting that she's actually maintained the ranking in the top eight when she's lost. She's not even made the quarters of more than half of her tournaments that she's played this year, I think. She's made the quarters of five and lost in the last 16 of five. Um, Do you think it's a fall-off of form? Do you think it's... Yeah, I think you'd have to say that. I know she she talked at Black Ball about having some, some issues with injuries and said she felt like she was feeling better and um, yeah, maybe, maybe it was just an injury issue mm-hmm. that was going on, but um, yeah, she, she certainly hasn't been playing top eight standard this year. When you see that she's losing to like Jana Sheehan and Tomato Ho. Uh, speaking of t- Tomato Ho, uh, I don't know if you listened to the, the, the podcast with Connor O'Malley and uh, Bill Buckingham, but <laughs> Bill's favorite player apparently is Tomato. tomato I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and I met Bill for the first time at the weekend at CSA Individuals, and he's a funny guy. I, yeah, I liked him a lot. <laughs> that podcast is very funny. Uh, yeah. You guys want to listen in on that? Yeah, she's one of those upcoming players. But next up, we have Rowan El Rabi. She our projected ranking was nine. I think she's moved up to seven. I think she's had a better season than what we had kind of projected. Uh, what, what was your take on her and the season she's having so far? Again, another, like, ma- mostly makes quarters. Um, yeah, she's not really done anything exceptional. She's mm-hmm. she's lost to Georgina three times in a row recently, <laughs> um, which I suspect she's, I mean, just in the last two months, she's played Georgina three times and lost three times. Um, but again, lost lost to some other players, like not bad losses by any means, but lost to Tenagillis, lost to Satomi Watanabe, um, lost to Rachel Arnold, going back to the Egyptian Open earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So, so again, you wouldn't really say those results are reflective of someone who's ranked seven in the world. So it'll be interesting to see if she holds that ranking for, for too much longer. Or if she maybe starts to drop off and lose points, so you'd probably give her a B. B. Uh, she might be 
border. I mean, ranking-wise, probably a B, but result-wise, maybe closer to a C. C. Next up, we have to round up our projected top 10 was Salmahani. We projected her to be at 10. She's currently kind of dropped off to 13, but considering the level and depth, I uh, can't really blame her. It's that 10 spot is not safe to anyone right now. But how would you rate her season so far? Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Again, if there's an issue there, she's had pretty up and down results. Um, losing to people. I mean, she, the first two tournaments of the season, she played Shabini and lost both of them to love, which fair enough. <laughs> um, but then, then she lost to Tesney, lost to Satomi, uh, lost to Tina Gillis, lost twice to Yatra Dell, which yeah. you have to see is not a great result. result. Weaker result. Um, and then more recently, she's lost to Amanda Gohar and Gina Kennedy. So again, not terrible. And, and SG, but... But yeah, problem, she's probably ranked where she deserves to be. Um, it's just, it's just whether whether that's because her squash has dropped level or because um, she's just had a few tougher draws. But it actually doesn't look like the draws have been the fact. Like when you're losing to Yatra Bedell, that's not the draw that's the issue. That's probably it. Might be. That's, it's not. This, <laughs> I'm not trying to be disrespectful there. I'm just suggesting, like, if you're losing to Gohar and then Shabini and like there's not a lot you can do even if you are playing better mm-hmm. um, but it seems like she's getting favourable draws but then not able to take advantage all the time Fair enough uh, Well that rounds out our projected top 10 and before we wrap it up I just want to hear any any players that have caught your attention because that I mean I think this top 20 is crazy I think we have Olivia Fichter coming at kind of ruining our top 10 projections here as she makes way. And there's the Gillis sisters right underneath yeah. that. And then we also have this crazy form of Olivia Klein, Tesney Evans coming back and also Sabrina Sobe in the mix as well. Any player that you wanted to talk about that has impressed you this season? I mean, the Americans obviously have done great. They obviously had the high of uh, making the final of the world teams in December um, and pushing Egypt pretty close. Um, and obviously being in America, it's great to see the the strength of American squash. Um, yeah, I, I'd be I'd be lying if I saw Olivia Klein's form coming, but seems like it's just clicked. I, I watched a little bit of her play in the the tournament in Philly last week, where she made the final and lost to Olivia Fichter. Um, she, she played really well in the semi-finals to beat uh, Neela Gillis. Mm-hmm. Um, she just looks like she's much more disciplined and um, she's fitter, she's moving well. She seems like she's added um, a couple of things to her game and it's paying off. Um, yeah, and then further down, it'll be interesting to see, we talked earlier in the CSA episode about Siva. She's obviously now basically done with college sports, so I'm sure she'll be focusing back on the PSA tour, see if she can um, start to work back into form and get up the rankings again. I think she will. It'll just be a matter of how quickly she can do it. Uh, Nada Abbas has had some good performances. Um, and the other girl I think I mentioned previously was Satomi Watanabe. She is she's, very good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, she's working her way right up the rankings. She's just outside the top 20, but I think she was... Uh, 
think when we spoke, she was in the 50s, and that was sort of August, September time. Yeah. It's not easy to go from 50 to 21 in the space of about six, six or seven months. Yeah, Gina Kennedy has really numbed us to these how fast people can move up the rankings, but that is quite the feat. And yeah. Melissa Alves also, pen player, yeah. has really moved up the rankings as well. Yeah, M- Melissa spends a little bit of time at Penn. She obviously played uh, at Penn a few years back, and she still comes and does some training around Philly and comes to the courts. She's She's been quite good at hitting with some of her girls as well. So um, she's a really positive influence at Penn, um, and hopefully she can continue to do well. Yeah, I think that rounds up this episode, guys. Um Again, thank you, Stuart, for doing this. This was a long, long evening for us, but I appreciate you uh, doing this. Fortunately, the, the season's over, and I don't have anything better to do, so see you well, I guess well. I'll just have to have you on more often. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in.